This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Let's open in prayer. And while you're standing, I want to take this opportunity and just thank Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev for the awesome privilege and, uh, that they've given me to share the Word of God with you this weekend. I counted an honor, and so I just want to honor them. They are awesome leaders. They pray for us. They teach us the truth of God's Word, so we just want to honor them here this evening. So let's pray. Let's bow our heads and pray here this evening. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you once again for this amazing opportunity that you've blessed us with to come as a family together, spend time in your presence and hear from you. As always, Lord, we remind ourselves that without you, we can do nothing. So we thank you that you are leading us and guiding us. I pray for every person here this evening, those watching via live stream, that as your word goes out, that it will penetrate their hearts, that it will bear fruit, that their lives may change, and that they may never be the same. I ask, Lord God, that you would direct me and guide me, for I am your vessel. I never trust in my ability, but totally depend upon your Holy Spirit you are the teacher, come and have your way. And we are careful this evening to give you alone all the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Well, family, you may be seated. And if you are uh, taking notes and you are, uh, want to use the church app, please do that. Go onto our church app. Go to notes. Click on it. You'll find the notes for this evening. And you can just fill them in as we go along. I'd always encourage you to do that. It just helps you to remember so much more of the Word of God. Well, family, this evening, the title of my message is Choose Joy. Yes, choose joy. Amen. Be excited. You in church. You could have been in a hospital tonight. No, you in church. We can choose joy. Praise the Lord. We want to choose joy. Let me help you a little bit with that, choosing joy. Can I help you with that tonight? Have you heard the story about the two hats? Hats. They were talking to each other. Two hats were talking to each other. And they were just talking about life and their destiny and what they want to accomplish. And so the one hat says to the other hat, no, look, I've I, I got to go. I've got to go. You know, I've got to get moving. So the other hat said to him, well, why are you in such a hurry? He says, no, I need to get ahead. I, I need to get ahead? Okay, no problem. <laughs> All right, praise the Lord. Well, family, I'm going to start off this evening reading a portion of Scripture found in Isaiah. And in Isaiah 61... This is really a, prof a prophetic word about Jesus. Isaiah 61 is a prophetic word about Jesus. And if you read in the New Testament, Jesus stood in the, in the temple and he, and he rolled out the scroll and he read it. And he said, today this has been fulfilled. And this is that prophecy. And we're going to read through that. But as we go through, it's found in verses 1 to 4 in Isaiah 61, if you're following in your Bibles. But in this, para in this uh, passage, you're going to see four things that are our four values at Christian Family Church. That we want every member of this church to live out. What are our four values? And that's obviously to connect with God and with one another. We want to make sure that we grow with one another in groups, discover our purpose, and belong. Those are our four values. We want to know God, connect with Him. We want to make sure that we're living out our purpose, that we're living the destiny that God helps us, so it has for us. And when we live in freedom, overcoming all of our challenges and growing with one another. Those are our values here at church. And you'll see this in this portion of Scripture, but you'll find that throughout the pages of the Bible, because God wants to take you from where you are to where He wants you to be, amen? That's His plan for your life, most definitely. So let's read here this, this evening in Isaiah 61 from verse 1, and it says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because He has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. 
So let me stop right there. What is good tidings? What is preaching good tidings? That's good news, right? That's telling you, hey, man, Jesus paid the price for you. You are saved. You're set free. He's taken care of the challenges in our life. That's good news. Amen? And that's part of one of our values. That is, if you're preaching the good news, you're helping people to know God and connect with Him. Right? And so that's one of our values. So, yeah, in this portion of Scripture, we see that. It goes on to say that He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Brokenhearted. You see, we at Christian Family Church want people to find freedom. We want you to walk in victory. We want to heal the brokenhearted so we can fulfill God's destiny. And that's one of our other values, and that is to grow with one another in groups in order to find that freedom so we can live a fulfilled life. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to do that. He goes on to say, And the opening of the prisons to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to counsel those who mourn in Zion, and to give them beauty for ashes, the, joy, the oil of joy for mourning. So let me stop there. Beauty for ashes. What is that? That's taking us from a life that God has not destined for us to a place where He has destined us. What is that? That's finding your purpose. Discovering your purpose from where you are, which is not fulfilled, to a place there where you are fulfilled. And we do that here at Christian Family Church. When you go through growth track, you discover that, hey, Lord, this is what you've destined me for. I have a life of beauty. I'm no longer walking defeated, but I'm walking successfully. That's a life of beauty. Amen. And it goes on to say, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness. One translation says oaks, a big tree, a big oak tree. Why is that important? Because family, you know that the winds of life will come. And when you're a big solid tree, you'll stand firm. You're a righteous believer standing firm. No harm may come near you. You will not be swept away or blown over. And that's who we are. We're strong in the Lord. It says the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And this is the next one. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. That's us. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities. What does that refer to in our values? That refers to you being where you've destined, finding the place that you belong, living out what God's called you to do, and you're making a difference in other people's lives. You're restoring them. You're helping them now. Why? Because you found your purpose. You're living out your destiny, and you're making a difference. Amen? So we see that there in the scriptures. But family, this evening, I want to focus on verse 3 of this portion of scripture. Isaiah 61 verse 3. I want to just focus on that. And it says this. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Family, it's God's plan for you to have joy. It's God's plan for you to walk in joy. God doesn't want his children to be upset and unhappy and people that are just downcast. And you know, we've got to learn not to settle for anything less. Hallelujah. We've got to walk in that joy. He's paid the price for us to do that. We've got to settle for that. We've got to say, I'm not going to settle for anything less. It goes on to say, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Unfortunately, in this world, there is a spirit of heaviness. I mean, if you just look around the world today, I just recently came back from America. We were there. And while I was there, I don't know if you watched the news, but they had that guy went into the shop and just shot some people and killed them. 
And to happen twice in seven days. There's some crazy stuff having, happening out there, family. There's a spirit of heaviness. You know, Jesus said that one of the signs of his return would be that the love of many would grow cold and lawlessness would abound. That's what he said. Don't we see that all around us? We see that spirit of heaviness. We see a, a world where people just don't care about others. People are just in anger and in rage and they're doing silly and crazy things. Unfortunately, we also see it in our nation. I just recently in the news, a number of people just being shot, assassinated. It's crazy, family. There's a spirit of heaviness. Now, that's not from the Lord. Amen? That's not from God. God wants to give us joy. And this is the thing, family. Even in the middle of that, God helps us, His children, to find joy in the middle of those challenges. And he helps us to walk in joy in the middle of those challenges. You see, there are times where Jesus will calm the storm. And there are times where Jesus will calm you in the storm. You can be going through the challenge but remain calm. You can be in the middle of an issue, but you can just feel joy because God is with you. Amen. And he is our joy. And God wants us to walk in joy. However, this is the thing. This is the thing, family. We have to choose it first. You have to choose to walk in joy. You choose your attitude when you get up in the morning. You can say, this is a day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's a choice. It's a choice you make every day. No matter what's happening around you, you choose joy. You choose the attitude when you get up. You can get up and say, oh, not another day. Or you can say, what an awesome day. It's your choice, amen? And choices are ours. We need to make choices. Listen to this. Choices lead, feelings follow. Choices lead, feelings follow. When you make the choice, the feelings will come. But you've got to choose, amen? You've got to choose the right attitude each and every day. God wants us to walk in joy. You know, if I think of the different characters in the Bible, and I go back maybe to the Old Testament, and I have to ask you, who's your favorite character? I'm sure a lot of us will say David. We kind of like David, right? He was an awesome uh, man of God, and the Bible calls him a friend of God, a man after God's own heart, the Bible says. Such an amazing guy. I love his life uh, story. And there's one portion of Scripture uh, found in Psalm 143, which is really something I declare over my life every day, and David said it. And he says this, Lord, cause me to walk in the way I should go. Teach me to do your will. And that's one of my life scriptures. It's something I declare of my life because I want to be in that place. When I'm in that place where God's destined me to be, if you're in that place where God's destined you to be, it's easier to find joy. It's easier to find joy. And God wants you to have that joy. Now if we have to flip over to the New Testament, who would be one of your favorites? Paul. There we go. Paul. Everybody knows Paul, right? Amazing story about Paul. I, I love Paul's attitude. You know, Paul was amazing. He had a great attitude. Have you read my notes, Nanika? She probably read my notes. No, Paul, really, I just really enjoyed Paul. You know why I love Paul? Paul has a great attitude. Paul has an amazing attitude. You know, if you know his story, something about him, if anybody had reason to complain, it was Paul. He had reason to complain. I mean, if you look at his life, Paul was shipwrecked. He bobbed around in the ocean for a day and a half trying to survive, just floating out in the ocean. Some of us can't even float in our pool for an hour, never mind in the ocean for a day and a half. But he floated around for a day and a half. You know, the Bible says that when he eventually got to shore, he was putting some wood on the fire, and then a snake comes out and bites him. I mean, this guy had reason to complain if he wanted to. You know that he received five times the 39 lashes. Five times the 39 lashes. He received that five times. 
He was beaten also with thin rods. What they used to do to punish them, they would take a thin rod and they beat you on the back of your legs here because it's very painful with a thin rod. He went through that. They beat him with those, with those thin rods. He was imprisoned. The man was thrown into prison for preaching the gospel, for doing good stuff. Do you know that they stoned him? He was stoned. That's not the recreational time. Because somebody thought, well, if he did that, he would have had some relief. No, no, it's not the recreational type. <laughs> okay? He was stoned to kill him. They stoned the man. Yet through all of these things, he had a great attitude. Paul had an amazing attitude. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 from verse 10. This is him speaking. Paul says, it says, sorrowful yet, in other words, yet always rejoicing. He says there, he says, even though I was sorrowful, I chose, I'm going to rejoice. I chose that, yet rejoicing. He goes on to say, poor, yet I'm making others rich. Even though I'm having a challenge and I might not have everything I want, I'm choosing. I have a great attitude. I'm making others rich. Having nothing, he goes on to say, yet possessing everything. What an awesome attitude. He had to choose those, family. He chose that. He chose to have a great attitude. As I said, he went through some tough things. He could have easily just said, oh, this is not worth it. I can have every reason to moan and complain. Yet he chose it. You see, family, you and I make choices every day. You've got choices to make every single day. You chose to be here. Well done. Great choice. Proud of you. Yeah, this evening. We make choices. You make little ones, you make big ones. Small ones don't affect your life. Big ones can affect your life. Apostle Theo says this. This is one of his sayings. He says, among our everyday choices are some that are final and irreversible. We choose, the moment passes, and we seal our destiny. See, some choices affect your future. Other choices will not harm you at all. So choices are vitally important. We need to make the right choices. So this brings me tonight to really what I want to speak about. In order for us to really walk in joy all the time, to experience the joy of the Lord, we need to make a choice. And the first choice we must always make is this. Pray first. Prayer must be our first choice. Whatever we're doing, we need to go to the Lord in prayer. We must pray first. Before you leave the house every day, pray first. Before you go to church, pray first. Before you go to school or work, pray first. Before you send that email, pray, pray, pray before you send that email. Before you post that post on Facebook, don't post it. No, I mean pray first. Think about it. Pray first. We must pray before everything. It must be the first thing we do, family, and that is pray. Pray first. You see, family, we've got to learn that we are not going to act first, but we're going to pray first. Too many people act first, then they have to go to the Lord and pray to fix it. Pray first, not act first. I love the saying, it says this, prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Let me say that again. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. You see, church, there are too many people who have what we call fire alarm prayers. When the alarm goes off, the fire is burning. So they're praying when the fire is on. They have fire alarm prayers. That's not where we need to be. They say, Lord, I'm going to do what I can. And then if it all fails, then I'll come to you in prayer. No, no, no. Pray first. Go to the Lord first. Why do you want to go through the hassle? Don't do it last. Do it first. Too many people get it wrong, church. 
They're going to try and sort out everything. Then when it doesn't work out, okay, let's see if the Lord can intervene and sort this out. Why not just avoid all of that? Go to him first. Get direction. And if you're here this morning, I spoke about fasting and prayer. Can't go through that again. I'd recommend watch it, download it, have a look at it. It'll really bless you that message about the power of a fasted life. So tonight, what am I going to do? Tonight, I'm going to outline just one chapter of the Bible. And Paul writes this letter from prison. It's, it's the book of Philippians. It's also known as the prison letters. And he writes this letter from prison. And you must understand something about these prisons. They were not pretty places. They were not nice places. They were like dungeons. They were below the earth. There was no natural light. The conditions were terrible. I mean, they were treated badly in there. They were often tied up. They were among some really nasty people in those places. But yet when he wrote this, when we read through the book of Philippians, so this letter of Philippians, we find that he mentions the word joy and rejoice 27 times while he's writing from prison. Isn't that amazing? So we're going to have a look at that today, and we're going to apply those things to our life so that we can walk in that joy. You see, the Bible says here in Philippians 4, Paul writes, and he says this from verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord. Do you know that you have to rejoice before you can read? <laughs> you have to rejoice before you can rejoice. If you rewrite the exam, you have to do it again. If you repaint the house, you're doing it a second time, right? So to rejoice means he's doing it over and over. And he's rejoicing in the Lord always, not sometimes. He goes on to say, I will say it again. So in case you didn't get it, he says, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. So when you're rejoicing in the Lord, people can see it. It's evident. But why can he say that? Because the Lord is near. That's why he can say it. It says that because the Lord is near. The Lord is near. No matter what I'm facing, God is with me. He's never leaving me nor forsaking me. That's why I can rejoice. That's why Paul could write these things. So the next thing he does, the next portion, the next thing Paul talks about after this, he talks about prayer. Straight after this rejoicing, he talks about prayer. He goes to prayer. And that's what is the first choice we need to make is prayer. Prayer is the first thing. And I believe this passage, I think, connects joy and prayer the best. This one that we're going to go from to right now. And as we outline this passage, we are going to see five things. Five things that prayer produces that all results in your joy. And if you will pray and have these five things, they will produce joy in your life. So we're going to look at five things now as we go into this. This is all from Paul's letters, all what he tells us to do. So the first thing we're going to do, number one, if you've got your notes, if you're on the app, prayer replaces worry. Prayer replaces worry. Do you know that the root word for worry is strangle? That's the root word. If you look up the root word, it means to strangle. Many people in this world feel strangled because of the conditions that they're in. They feel they have no hope. They don't know what to do. They feel like the air has been sucked out of them because of the challenges. But when we go to God in prayer, prayer replaces that worry. You know, many people, when they go into prayer, they're going with challenges, right? They're coming into prayer because they want help. Is that right? They're seeking the Lord for help, family. And that's why Paul says, when he writes here in verse 6, he says, do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Paul is telling us 
that he understands that you have challenges and you're coming into that prayer with anxiety, with worry, but don't be. What must you do? He goes on to say, just pray. Pray, that's what it says. But in every situation, by prayer, that's what he's telling us to do. We need to pray. Listen to this. Worry borrows from your future. Worry borrows from your future. You see, it hasn't happened yet, but you're worrying about it. You're afraid it's going to happen. That's what worry is. You're not necessarily there. You're concerned about what the outcome is going to be. You're not there yet, but you're worrying about it. And what is the challenge with that? Well, if you worry about something that hasn't happened, if it does happen, you worry twice. Because you worried before, then it does happen and you worry again. But if you worry about something and it doesn't happen, you've worried in vain. Now I understand, listen, I understand I'm a parent. I've got three sons. I'm sure that, that you that have children, you think about their future. Maybe you have concerns about what their future is going to hold. I've got three boys. And you know, I, I, I wonder where they're going to go. What is going to be their destiny? Lord, please help them fulfill their destiny. And I've got to be very careful that while I'm pondering on that, that I don't get to a place where I start to worry about what the outcome is going to be. And we can be there as parents. I understand that. You know, you can be there in life where you're looking and thinking about your future, comparing it to where you are today. You might not have hope. You might have concerns. And that's the challenge is that worry borrows from our future. We're not there yet, but we are concerned. The more important thing to do is if I'm with my sons, instead of being concerned about their tomorrows, just enjoy, the, with, just enjoy their todays with them. That's what we've got to do. Just be happy with where you are today. The Bible goes on, as we read through here in, in Matthew 6, 27, Jesus says this in the Word of God. It says, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Worrying doesn't add anything to you. Nothing. It's not going to add anything to you. In fact, it takes from you. It doesn't add to you. Jesus goes on in verse 34 to say, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. It's not going to add anything to your life, so don't worry about it. It's not going to ch Worrying now doesn't change tomorrow. Amen? Faith changes tomorrow, not worry. So he says, therefore, don't worry about it. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. There are challenges in every day. Not God bringing the challenges, but there are challenges every day. Jesus warns us in the book of Luke, and he says this. He says, when the flood comes, not if. He says, you must build your house on the rock because the flood will come. Not if it comes. There are challenges, right? Amen? Who has had a challenge in their life? Amen? We've been through challenges. God's saying, Jesus saying, don't worry about it. I don't want you to worry about it. I'm going to take care of it. You see, family, listen to this. What we worry about the most reveals where we trust God the least. What we worry about the most reveals where we trust God the least. If I'm worrying about something, there's no faith there. I'm not believing God with his worry. Where I have faith, I rejoice. Why? Because God's got it. He's going to take care of it. So yeah, we see that we, the first thing prayer does, it replaces worry. When I come to God in prayer, I'm giving it to him. It replaces worry. The second thing prayer does is prayer relinquishes control. It gives control over to God. Family, there are too many people who want to co-control with God. They want, to, they want to work this together. I tell you what, Lord, here's my request, but if you don't mind, let me tell you how to handle it. I know you're busy, Lord. You're looking after the universe and making sure everything's going, so just let me give you some tips on how you can answer my prayer. No, no. It's either all His or all yours. God's not going to share it with you, amen? 
You see, in Philippians, Paul goes on and he says this. He talks about uh, uh, be anxious for nothing. He says, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Why can he add thanksgiving? If I give you something, you say, thank you. If, you've re- if I receive something, I say thank you. The reason he can say thank you is because he knows he's going to receive because God, God's going to do it. That's why he says thank you. So yeah, it says, excuse me, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Present them. What is it to present? It's to give it over, to get rid of it. It's yours, Lord. God tells us to cast our cares upon him. He's, to present it to God is to hand it over. How do I know when I've done it successfully? The next portion of the verse. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When somebody else has got my challenge, I have peace. Isn't that right? If I've handed it over and it's no longer my problem, I have peace. If you don't have peace, that's the clue. You've still got it. So if you've prayed and asked God to intervene and you're still in worry and anxiety, you haven't given it over. If I've got something that's a burden and I pass it on to you and I let go of it, I can raise my hands because you've got it, right? I have peace. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying we need to hand it over. You see, it can't be God's problem and my problem at the same time. It's either his or mine. And we've got to hand it over to him. I love what 1 Peter 5, 7 says. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this. Cast all. Say with me, all. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. What is it to cast? Cast is to throw, right? Have you ever done any fishing? All fishermen, they say you cast when you you, you, uh, throw that rod. Why? Because that casting hooks. And so you're throwing it out there, and we need to cast it. We need to throw it to the Lord. I love the Phillips translation. The Phillips translation says it that way. It says, you can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him, for he, sorry, for you are his personal concern. I love that, man. You are God's personal concern. You can give it to him. Listen, he wants it, church. He's asked you to do it. This is not a suggestion. He's saying, cast it on me. I have the solution. Don't hold on to it. That's how we find our joy. In Romans 15, 13, it says this, may the God of all hope fill you with all joy, And peace, what? As you trust Him. So when you give something to Him, you can trust Him, amen? If you're going to give something that's important to you to somebody else, you trust them with it. You can trust God. You can give it to Him. You can trust Him, family. So the third thing that prayer regulates, prayer regulates our thinking. Let's just be open and honest today. There are too many people watching too much stuff that's wrong for them, reading things that are wrong for them, Involved with stuff that is wrong for them, and it messes up their thinking. It gets their mind to go in the wrong place. That affects your walk with God hugely. And so prayer regulates our thinking. We see in verse 8 here, Paul says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. Yeah, he's giving us a direction. If I want to get away from anxiety and hand my prayer over to God, I've got to think on what is right. That's what he's saying. And when I do that, it changes my mind. I do that when I'm in prayer with him. I'm handing it over to him. I'm thinking on the things that he has for me, not on the challenges that I have. That's what it does for us. I love here 
what it says in, in Colossians 3, 2, it says this. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Where are you seated? The Bible says as a believer, you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We need to think on the things that God has. His plan and purpose for your life, not the challenges that you're facing. We need to do that. We need to think on that. You see, church, prayer is not God coming down, but it's us going up. Prayer is not pulling God down to your challenge. It's us meeting Him where He's at so that He can change the situation because that's where we are seated. There's a man called C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis said this, Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. As believers, we've got to stay focused on the things of God. And so prayer helps me change my thinking. It changes my thinking to the right thing. The fourth thing, second last one, the fourth thing is prayer relieves, uh, uh, reveals contentment. Prayer reveals contentment. How does it do that? When we go into prayer, we often go in with, I need, I need, I need. And when we finish praying, we come out realizing that I have everything I need because He's all I need. Because He's all I need. Amen? And that's what Paul said. Paul realized that. He, re he realized that spending time with God made him be content. He says here in verse 12, he says this, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content. How could he be content? Because God's got it. I know that God's going to take care of it. He knew that. Paul understood that because God met him where he was at. In Psalm 23 verse 1 it says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. You can say it this way. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have all I need. Because he's my shepherd. You see church, we need to say this. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. If I'm focusing on what I need, I'm not focusing on the one who meets the need. And if I have my relationship on the one who meets the need, the need will always be met. But if I'm focusing on the need and neglect the need meter, I'll never get the need met. Does that make sense what I'm saying to you? And so... We need to trust richly in Him who richly provides. And then lastly, prayer relies on God. When I'm praying, I'm totally relying on God. So in every place that I truly have a need, I can then confess Philippians 4.13. I can say this with confidence. I can do all things. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Because He's ever faithful. In verse 19, you can then go on to say, and my God will, my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Amen. We can do that and we can say that because he's a faithful God. Because Paul said, God is with me. Because God is with me, he'll meet every need. Proverbs 16, 20 says this, those who trust the Lord will be joyful. Those who trust the Lord will be joyful. So family, we need to choose joy. And we need to remember that prayer doesn't move God towards us. Prayer moves us toward God. And I want to encourage you to spend time in prayer. Follow these points and remind yourself that prayer gives it over to God. Prayer changes my thinking. Prayer brings me to the place where I know God has got this and He's in control. Amen. And because of all those things, I can choose joy 
because God's going to sort it out. I can walk in joy, amen, because God's going to sort it out. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.